Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited you came out tonight. I know it's a holiday tomorrow. I know that there are plenty of reasons to stay back tonight, but I'm excited that you came out or hungry for the word. We're going to stuff our faces tomorrow, so let's stuff our spirits. Yeah, don't act like you aren't. All the, all the gluten-free people, don't, don't even try to act like you're watching my diet. You ain't watching nothing. You're making sure someone doesn't take that last roll. That's what you're watching for. You're making sure you get seconds and thirds. Amen. So we're going to get in the Word. I have uh, a little treat. Here, because I know we got a room full of kids. Zachary, this is just for you, man. I got you some skills. <laughs> Vanessa, you can try to keep them in line, because this is only for the good kids now. You got to, yeah, you got Skittles, Christmas Skittles. I, Pastor Caleb was pouring them in. I said, where's the blues and the, and the oranges, man? The orange is the best one. We got a bunch of reds and greens, but they're... They're all good. Don't don't act like you picky. I gotta have the blue ones, so. and you don't get none. That's what happens to you. But we got some red ones and we got some green ones because I know we got some kids in here and I know they are excited to hear the word. Amen. Amen. Where's my kids? Everyone, let me hear you. All my children. <laughs> I gotta brush the dust off. It's been a few years since I've pastored children. I'll pastor them all. Amen. But I plan on giving out some Skittles tonight. And Zachary, if you're good, we might might get some back to you. You hang in there, buddy. Hallelujah. I know we got some big kids in the house. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I know it's not a, a Thanksgiving message, but that's all right. That's a traditional thing. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you for correcting me, son, in front of everybody. That's awesome. My son just corrected me in front of my church. It's, it doesn't get much worse than that. <laughs> yeah, fun tonight. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth. Everyone say confess. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe isn't just something you think. It's not just a feeling that you have. Believe is faith. Believe is something that you're convicted of. If you believe in your heart, then you will confess something with your mouth. Look at verse 10. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. So you don't just believe anything. You believe unto Righteousness. We're very specific here. We believe unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So the heart believes unto righteousness and the mouth confesses what the heart believes. The mouth confesses what the heart believes. So, you know, we quote this verse a lot. Like, man, you just got to pray this prayer. If you just pray this prayer right now, Jesus will become the Lord of your life. Man, you, you, you give him his life. He'll come into your heart. And we make it sound nice and easy, right? Just pray the prayer and everything is good for you. Just pray the prayer. But it's not just something we say. It's not just a prayer that we pray. Let me show you what this word confess really means. The word confess, the word confess means 
a binding agreement. A binding agreement. The word confess means contract. Means contract. It means contract. <laughs> when you sign a contract, well, you got to, our adults will have to work a little harder tonight, but that's all right. That's all right. I can preach over it and you can listen over it. That's okay. I'm glad they're here. We love them. Amen. Amen. We love them. Amen. Confess means to sign a contract. When you're confessing with your mouth, you're not just saying something. You are coming into agreement. Now, we live in a day and age where contracts don't mean a whole lot anymore. You can sign your name to something and rip it up and throw it right out the window. It doesn't mean anything. But when you sign a contract with the Lord, when you make him the Lord of your life, what are you doing? You are giving him your life. You're coming into agreement saying, Father, Jesus, you rule, you control, you own my life. And now you will do for me what you say because I'm giving you my life. That's what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's not an invitation into your heart. It's not just, I said a prayer, so now I go to heaven. There's way more to it than that. He wants to be the Lord of your life. Now, we don't understand this word. We don't understand the word Lord. We don't have much that shows us what Lord means. What does a Lord do? What does a Lord do? A Lord owns something. The only reference that a lot of us have to Lord is landlord. And when you're renting from a landlord, they own it, you control it. They own it, you take care of it. But they're the owner. You're not the owner. You can't take that piece of property and say, you know what, I'm tired of living here. I'm going to sell this and I'm going to make some money off of it and and find a different place. It doesn't work that way because you don't own it. But you can choose the most of the time the, the paint that goes on the wall and you can definitely pick where you put the kitchen table and where you want to put your couch and which room you want to make the office and which room you want to make the bedroom right because you're in charge of it. It's yours to maintain and keep. But when things break down, who do you go to? The Lord. Come on, when Jesus owns your body, who do you go to when it breaks down to? When it breaks down? The Lord. Right. We maintain it. We take care of it. Uh, you know, we do the right things to take care of this body. But when it's all said and done, when the, the world tries to come against it, when symptoms try to show up, when flu season's coming up, guess what? I go to the Lord because he owns it. He made it. He's the one that has put it in my possession. So I say, God, these these lungs are coming up. You know, there's some congestion going on here. I've been coughing stuff. Up. But you're the healer. This is your body. You're going to have to come in and take control because you own it. You fix it. Right. Amen. So he's the Lord. So when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord, we're making him the Lord of our life. That means we are acknowledging that he owns us. He owns us. That means we don't get to choose. We don't get to pick. Your purpose for your life isn't your decision. We tell parents, you got children in here, we tell our parents to tell, you know, you don't tell your kids, well, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. It don't work that way. There's a creator that has already destined your life. He's already determined what you're going to do. So when you, you need to tell your children is when you grow up, you can be anything that God has called you to be. You can be exact. You will be successful in the assignment that God has called you to be. How many of you know there's people that are successful in stuff that God never called them to do? But you'll be successful. You will have the most success in life when you do what God has destined you to do. Why? He's the Lord. 
He is the owner. John chapter 18 says this. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king? Are you a king then? You say rightly that I'm a king. Jesus is responding to Pilate. He says, you say rightly that I'm a king because I am king. Why? Because Jesus was designed to rule over stuff. Jesus was designed to be Lord. Jesus was designed to be in control. And guess what? Jesus wants to rule over your life. In these, these days, we don't like people ruling over our stuff, do we? We don't like people telling us that you have to pick this type of health care and you have to do that, this type and you have to submit to this. We don't like that because we're submitting to man that messes up a lot of times. But Jesus doesn't mess up. When Jesus makes a, a, a charge, when Jesus takes control, he has your best interest at heart. When he gives you a law or a command and says, hey, we don't need to do this, we need to do this. instead." When he says, I need you to walk in love rather than walking in hatred towards people. He's saying, because there's so many promises that I have that can come true for you. There's a way that there's favor that will open up when you learn to treat man the way that you would treat me. He tells us how to treat our employers. He tells us how to treat our employees. He tells us how to treat uh, our husbands and our wives. He tells us how to treat our parents and our children. I mean, every relationship is covered in the Bible. Why? Because if you'll follow what he says to do about a relationship, then it will provide the greatest benefit to you. So he's got to be Lord. Jesus is designed to rule over, over stuff. John George this past week, and he made this statement. He said, Jesus chose to be Savior, but you choose to make him Lord. Jesus chose to be Savior. He went to the cross for you, but... You are the one that chooses to make him Lord. He is not Lord just because you said a prayer. He's Lord because you've confessed it. You've come into agreement and now you align yourself with that covenant. You align yourself with that agreement, with that contract that you made. Can I get an amen? Amen. So here's the problem. We're going to get to the point real quick. If Jesus does not become Lord, and look, I'm settled in this fact that Most of the problems that we run into in our lives is simply because we haven't made Jesus the Lord in an area. In in essence, you have to do this. You have to redefine what a problem is. Because there are things that come against me that I don't see as problems anymore. and, and, And I just see, you know what? That's the enemy. I'm living in a fallen world. But I've found that there's a lot of things in my life that get eliminated from my life when I just choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. When I choose them to have, when I choose to make him have full control in my life. And so I have narrowed it down to three things. Everyone say three things. Three things. things. Get my Skittles out. Oop, there goes a green one. Three things. I got some kids that are being awfully good. Look at that. There you go. Say thank you. Yep. Say thank you. We got some Skittle lovers over here. Oh, yeah. You going to get one for your brother? You going to make him? You going to you going to get one for Caleb? Uh, We got some kids over here. Want some Skittles? Pastor Crystal, children's pastor. Come on. Got three things for you. Number one, three things. That will rule you if you don't make Jesus Lord of your life. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want anything else in your life ruling you. You don't want anything else that you don't want anything else in your life ruling you. There you go. I'm going to go all the way back there. 
You don't want things in your life ruling you. But the word tells us, the word tells us, not me, the word tells us that there are three things in our lives that will take over if we don't make Jesus the Lord of our lives. Number one is our flesh. Your flesh will rule you if you don't make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What's that mean? You don't live according to the Spirit on accident. You don't live uh, according to the Spirit in your life just because you prayed a prayer one day. You live according to the Spirit because you set your mind, I'm going to live according to the Spirit. Amen. Look what it says. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That should be pretty easy to decipher between. Do I want death or do I want life? Do I want worry and fear or do I want peace in my life? It's pretty simple. But how many people are setting their mind on the flesh and living according to the flesh and their flesh is ruling them. Their flesh determines where they go. The flesh determines what they watch. The flesh determines the friends they have. The flesh determines uh, what they feed on. The flesh determines. The flesh is ruling their lives. Why? Because Jesus isn't the Lord of their life. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, it's impossible to live according to the flesh. The, The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me just let you in on something. You can't please yourself and please God at the same time. You can't please God and please yourself at the same time. What, I'm, what do I mean by yourself? I mean the flesh. That there's a putting down of the flesh. There's a subjecting of the flesh. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, it is impossible to give in to the flesh. The reason why we have so many flesh issues is because we haven't made Jesus the Lord of our life. We have not given him full control and full reign in our lives. Look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27. This is a familiar verse. He's talking about running the race. And he says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. What's that mean? The roles have reversed now. Instead of my body telling me what it wants to do, I tell my body what it should do. Bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. I bring my body. I discipline. It doesn't want to wake up for morning prayer, but it wakes up for morning prayer because my spirit is in charge. My body doesn't tell me when to wake up. My body doesn't tell me when to go to bed. My body doesn't tell me how to respond to that person that's hating on me. My body doesn't uh, t- you know, tell my employer off when it tells me to do something that I don't want to do. My body doesn't tell me what to spend money on or what not to spend money on. Jesus is the Lord of my life, and I live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Come on now. we got to quit giving in to the flesh. you got to quit letting the flesh rule you. There's a book that I read recently that says uh, uh, one of the big issues in, in life today is the fact that we can't pinpoint sin for sin. We call sin a problem. And until we, keep, until we call sin what it is, we'll quit sinning. We'll quit letting the flesh rule us. And just realize, oh, that's not just a problem. I just, I, I have this, I just have this problem. just have this one problem. No, it's not a problem. 
is sin. And it leads me to my second point, number two. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us that if we don't make Jesus the Lord of life, of our lives, sin will rule us. Number two, sin will rule us. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. I want to stop right there. A couple points, a couple things to point out. Number one, it says do not let sin reign. That means you can let sin reign. The sin doesn't just, just the devil made me do it. I just can't seem to control myself. I mean, I want to do the right thing, but I just seem to always mess up. I mean, just it's just the... Just this control. Yeah, you're right, it is a control. But you're giving yourself to it. Therefore, do not let sin reign. Do not let, do not let, do not let. That's our responsibility, guys. That's us. Do I let sin reign? Do I let uh, sin control? Or do I step in and say, no, you're not in charge. You're not in charge here. I'm in charge. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Amen. Do not let sin and do not present your members as instruments unto sin. Do not let, do not present yourself. Do not let your flesh become sinful. Do not let your flesh give in to sin and to temptation to sin. That's what he's saying here. Let's keep going. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So this body on the outside, I can either let it serve sin or I can serve God. Because you serve whoever's in charge. If sin's in charge, you're serving sin. If God's in charge, you're serving God. And this body can be used either way. For sin shall not have Dominion over you. Dominion means to govern. It means to rule. It means to have authority. This verse tells us right here that you could go the rest of your life without sinning. I know we don't like to hear that. And that's not for condemnation. But you have the control. You have the power if you give your life to God and make him the Lord of your life. If you make him, if you put him in charge, if you put him in control, then sin's not in control. But if Jesus isn't the Lord of my life, sin will take over. Sin will rule me and I'll do whatever sin tells me to do. Verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slaves whom you obey. Who's who's in charge? Who are we a slave to? Who are we a slave to? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, were, past tense, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to whom, uh, to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. When I choose to not let sin have control and be my master, then guess what? God becomes my master, and I am a slave unto righteousness, slave unto God. The third one, the third one, if we do not make Jesus the Lord of our life, 
Our flesh will rule us. Sin will rule us. But Jesus talked about another one in Matthew chapter 6 called money. 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 Look what he says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 12. Uh, or, um, Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where your money is, that's where your heart. If you want to find where someone's heart is, get to their pocketbook. Jesus explicitly says that money will become your master. Money will dictate your life. And do we not see that happening in the world today? People are literally ruled by money. Money has a, a, a yoke and a chain, and it's just dragging people around wherever it wants to go. We want to go over here. We want to waste it on this. We want to spend it on this. Oh, you're supposed to give 10% and gotten up. You're not going to be able to do that because I'm telling you to spend it on this. And we spend rather than invest in the kingdom. I heard someone say this quote. You've probably heard it before. That money makes a great servant but a terrible master. Money makes a great servant but a terrible master. What's that mean? That means it will do very well for you if you're in charge. But when money gets in charge, you're in a bad spot. But money, money tells us when to wake up in the morning. Not your alarm clock. Money tells you when to work overtime. Money tells you uh, when to stay late. Money tells you when to take vacation time and not when to take vacation time. Money talks. Right? Money talks. If we can just get a dollar amount on it, we can, be, we can get a little more clarity. But money shouldn't be talking to us, guys. We're in charge. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, I'll tell you right now, when you choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life, one of the greatest areas in your life that will come into alignment is your finances. I can tell when Jesus is the, is the Lord of someone's life by where and how they spend their money and where and how they invest their money. Period. Period. That's just the bottom line. Money will dictate people's lives for them. And they don't even realize it. If you skip on down, uh, Jesus makes that statement. Verse 21. No one can serve two... Or, uh, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. Did you know that you hate God when you love money more than God? When you let money tell you what to do, it is showing that you hate your other master, Jesus, your Lord, the one who actually owns you. That's where we got to be careful, guys. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We've got to be careful because money will rule. Money will dictate. Money will talk to you. And are you listening to money or is money listening to you? Some of us are having a hard time calling our money in, telling money to align itself, because it's doing all the talking. We're more moved by what we see in the bank account than we are by this word that is forever settled in heaven. This never changes. This is the most foundational truth 
in the entire universe. But we believe a doctor's report over this. We believe a bank account over this. We believe a, a, a loan report over this. We believe the news over this. This is God speaking to us. Our Lord is speaking and guiding and leading. And we're following another master. And it's impossible to follow another master and follow Jesus. Jesus is not the Lord of your life if we cannot honor his word, what he says to do with our finances. He's not the Lord. And you will have problems, problems, problems. I have found with people that chase money, they never get enough. I have found that people that chase Jesus are overflowing. Wasn't that what he said? He said, test me. Check me out. Look at this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven. He, he made it plural. I mean, if, if God just opened up one window, like if he just, you know, put a little crack in the one like right over the kitchen sink, the real small one. If he just put a crack in that, imagine what could come out. And he says, I'll open up windows. I'll open up so many ways to get money to you, to get things to you that you're believing for and standing for. It's funny how we'll stand and ask God for more money, but then he gives it to it and we go do something else with it. Because the one that's giving to it, giving it to us, is the one that ought to dictate what we do with it. Amen? Now, that's not getting a whole lot of great responses, but that's all right. It's still truth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He just got done talking about the world. He got done talking about the Gentiles and how all, all this stuff that they're just living day to day. Every 24 hours, they're turning over and they're making their home their master, their mortgage their master, their food their master, money their master. All these things they're chasing after and seeking for. And he says, if you would just seek the kingdom, those things would come chase you. You would have so much of it, you wouldn't know what to do with it, is what he says. We've got to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. We've got to make Jesus the Lord of your lives. When these other things become your master, when these other things dictate your... When you, you find yourself doing things you don't want to do. When your flesh is ruling you, you do things you don't want to do. When sin rules you, you do things you don't want to do. When money rules you, you do things you don't want to do. When Jesus rules you, you do things you never thought you could do. When Jesus is in charge, when he becomes the Lord, you do things, you find yourself doing things you never thought you could do. You find yourself doing things uh, you didn't think I even had the potential for. You find yourself talking to people you never thought you'd be in front of. You find favor opening up. You find jobs coming to run you down. Hey, we got to have you, man. We need you on this job. And you were spending all that time putting in every application every single day. When these other things rule you, when flesh rules you, when sin rules you, when money rules you, it leaves you worse than you were when you got into it. But when Jesus rules you, he makes you better than when you got into it. I don't know about you, I want to be better. 
I want to come out the other side of this thing, making Jesus Lord of my life and saying, I never thought I could be here. I never thought I'd see this happen. I never thought I could do this. I never thought I would have these type of relationships. When we cut off the relationships that the world wants us to have and you take on the relationships God wants you to have, you'll find yourself having a relationship with people you never thought you could have relationships with. I'm in relationships with with men today that speak into my life that I never thought I'd be able to be in front of. Because I cut off relationships that were holding me back and hindering me. Keeping me stuck where I was rather than raising me out of where I was. We got to choose to make Jesus our Lord. I know this isn't your typical Thanksgiving message. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's a message we need. And I could talk for a whole other hour on lordship because it is the problem in the world today. Period. Everything I hear, uh, people that are having mental problems, people uh, that are having financial problems, people that can't find a job, people uh, that are struggling in their marriages. It's just simply a, a fact of make Jesus the Lord of your life, man. Give your life to Jesus. Let him dictate. Let him choose. Let him have a say so. Don't just read the word and then walk and turn the other way and not do it. Make Jesus Lord. Allow him to govern and control. He already owns it. Let him have a say-so. Let him have a say-so. Father, we thank you tonight that you are the Lord of our